Today, you are going to be hearing a sermon from one of our ministers here on staff. We hope this word blesses you, and remember that we love and appreciate your time here. Now, let's hear what the Lord has for you today. Amen. How many are excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Good thing the song ended. Some of you are going to throw off your shoes, right, and start dancing. Amen. You can go ahead and have your seats. Amen. We just want to welcome everyone here tonight. Amen. Those watching on our live stream. Amen. We're just going to jump right into the word tonight. Amen. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to do. Amen. What he needs to do in our lives. Amen. And, and I wanted the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is Stop Walking Over Your Rubble. Stop Walking Over Your Rubble. And the translation that I'm going to read from is out of the message translation because it uses that word rubble. And, and I'm going to read the verses, then we're going to pray. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, says, The memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah. It was the month of, of Kislev in the 20th year. Man, tongue twisters, huh? It says, at the time I was in the palace as, at the complex at Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers, had just arrived from Judah with some fellow Jews. I asked them about the conditions among the Jews that were there who had survived the exile and about Jerusalem. Verse 3, they told me the exile survivors who are left there are in the province, are in bad shape. Conditions are appalling. Then it says the wall of Jerusalem is still rubble. The city gates are still cinders. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. I mourned for days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now, Lord. I pray, God, that we just surrender everything to your Holy Spirit tonight. Father, I pray I step aside and you use me to just teach and preach your word tonight, Father God. We come against any distractions. We come against any hindrances tonight. The devil is defeated. And Lord, we pray, God, that this word will land on good soil, God, that when we walk out of here, we will not walk out of here the same. And everyone said, Amen. And amen. How many are familiar with the book of Nehemiah, right? We all know the story. Nehemiah was there. He built the wall, amen. In 52 days, the walls went up, amen. But I want to look at it from a, another perspective because when we look at the life of Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah wasn't a pastor, Nehemiah wasn't a leader, amen. Nehemiah, all he was, was a cupbearer for the king. In other words, when they, before they served the king, all he did was taste the food. Amen. Somebody said, I like to taste food. Amen. But this is different, though, because they would try to kill the king. They would try to poison the king. Amen. But he was just a cupbearer. And here the story goes that he asked about Jerusalem. And because he asked, how many know when we ask questions? That's why some of us don't ask questions. Because, you know, then they volunteer you, right? Oh, don't get quiet on me, right? I'm not going to ask, uh, how come this is happening? Because they're going to say, go ahead and fill it. It says, Nehemiah asked, and then it said, the city was in rubble. But we find out, how can we apply this to us? The book of Nehemiah shows us that the impact that one person can make on a nation, amen? And, and so you, as sitting here, you watching on our live stream, you can make a difference, amen, wherever you go. 
You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a leader. All you have to do is be available. And look at your neighbor. Tell them, all you got to do is be available. In fact, God has placed you where you are today for a specific purpose. But sometimes we get caught up in our rubble where we start thinking, God, maybe I'm in the wrong place. How many of you know God doesn't make mistakes? Tell your neighbor, God does not make mistakes. We make mistakes, but God doesn't. And a lot of times when we don't like the way things are going, most people, they want to move somewhere else. They want to bounce. Amen. And the walls were very important because the walls signified God's protection from the enemy. When the walls were up, the enemy couldn't come in. The walls also, uh, what they signified was God's presence. They knew when the wall was there, man, God was with that city. And also it gave them identity. Hey, I'm a child of God. Amen. I'm not who I used to be no more. God is doing and working in me. It also gave them authority. I mean, no, God's given us all power and authority and dominion. But too many times we don't realize that and we walk in our rubble. The walls kept their purpose alive. Because as long as they were behind the walls, they know God was with them. So they knew they had purpose. The walls kept their hopes alive. The walls kept their dreams alive. And, and so this is very important. But the Bible says here the walls were down. They were destroyed. The enemy came in and he broke down all the walls. It talks about that in Nebuchadnezzar in 2 Kings 25.10. He went and destroyed the walls. So when we read the story of Nehemiah, we, we can look at it and say, man, the walls were down. If you just read it like that, you're like, okay, big deal. But the walls weren't down one year. They weren't down five years. They weren't down 20 years. They weren't down 50 years. The walls were down for 140 years. So that means 140 years the walls were down. And, and so they got used to walking in their rubble. I mean, you know, we as believers also get used to walking in our rubble. Let me, let me try to paint a picture for you. The walls were just pieces of bricks broken up, just laying all around. Can you imagine people walking over their shattered dreams? Can you imagine people every day they had to step all over the rubble? They got used to living a life in defeat for 120 years. How many know we are a lot like the children of Israel at this time? What do you mean? I'm glad you asked. You guys are paying attention tonight. We have rubble on the ground that we keep walking over it and we act like it's not there. How many are with me? Tell your neighbor, pay attention. It's going to get gooder and gooder. And the, we, we act like it's not there by walking over our rubbish. What I mean is we're not going to deal with it. We're not going to talk about it. And we're not going to bring it up. We learn how to exist by stepping over the rubble in our life. And we're waiting for somebody to step in and fix our rubbish. I want to show you some examples on rubble. These are broken bricks. Abuse. That's rubble. I know they're putting the bricks up for me. How I many know we got an awesome media team? Amen. And they said, we can do that. I said, amen. 
So we got this abuse. It's there. Pride. We walk around with pride. Ain't nobody tell me what to do. Who do you think you are? What about the feeling of being inadequate? God, you made a mistake when you called me. And the broken bricks on the floor. What about anger? Some of you are getting mad now because we're exposing you. <laughs> and it's on the ground. What about a, a bad marriage? Hello, somebody. Broken bricks. And then you want to make the excuse like, man, God, maybe I married the wrong one. I mean, no, you didn't marry the wrong one. You just don't want to change. What about confusion? Walk around confused. Especially now when this culture, they walk around confused. Are you a male? Or are you a female? Confusion. God, I don't know what you want me to do. What about worry? How many people worry? They say we trust God. I got faith, God. But yet you still worry. Rubble. What about poverty? Oh, I'm never going to get ahead in life. Every time I, it seems like something good is going to happen, I take three steps backwards. Poverty. Don't worry, we'll pick that up after. What about depression? I wonder how many believers are around today and they walk around depressed. What about sickness? God, you can't use me because I got bad reports from the doctor. They say it's going to get worse. So I'm not going to do anything, God. I'm just going to go to church and serve you. What about identity? You don't know who you are. You don't know that God chose you to be yourself. So you try to be like everybody that you get around. Whatever group you're in, you want to dress like them. You want to act like them. You want to talk like them. Know who your identity is. Because if you don't know your identity, how are you going to become who God created you to become? What about loneliness? I got to get married now. I ain't getting any younger. Right? Or singles. Ah, uh, oh man, I, I got to get married, man. I, I, I'd rather just get married than to, 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 to just burn in hell. I married a couple like that a long time ago. He wanted to get married. I said no, and he told me that. I, I, I'd rather marry than burn in hell. One month later, he said, I'd rather burn in hell than stay married. And that's true. That's the honest truth. No, they don't go to this church or nothing like that. It was from somewhere else. What about frustration? How many get frustrated? Oh, they don't use me. I make myself available, but they don't use me. Maybe God has the door closed for a reason. What about addiction? I'm still bound by smoking. But I'm not that bad. I, I only smoke one cigarette a day. Before, it used to be a pack. I only take one drink on social gatherings, but it's okay because I, I don't get drunk. What about condemnation? After we make mistakes, the devil has a party with us. And what about hurt? I've been hurt in another ministry or I've been hurt before, so now you don't trust nobody. But see what happened is for 140 years, they walked around the rubble. They stepped over it. 
stepped over it, stepped over it. This is the way I'm always going to be. I'm always going to struggle. I'm always going to hurt. I'm always going to have pain. Oh, but you don't know what they did to me. They abused me. And, and we stay stuck in the rubble with the walls down. And God says, I called you to stand behind that wall. But we're walking in our rubble. And we can identify with this daily. And we act like that rubble's not there. My marriage ain't that bad. It's my spouse. I married the devil. You didn't marry the devil. And sometimes we think about that. Then you're fighting. You say, oh, man, I'm going to trade them in. You can't trade them in. You got to change. How did Nehemiah rebuild the walls? And that's what we're going to look at. But keep this. A lot of times we're walking over this. I'm lonely. I'm lonely. And you start off good. But God, the walls are up. Then the enemy hits your mind. And you start thinking, other, oh, man, I just, well, I'm just going to hook up one time. And it'll take my loneliness. And, and then you start walking. And, you, and the rubble becomes common. They were there for 140 years. At first, they were, okay, I can fix this. Then after, they got used to living like that. How many Christians get used to living in struggle? When God says he's given us victory. How many of us walk in circles? Oh, I'm always going to be like this. My dad was like that. My grandpa was like that. This is just a curse in the family. Then break it. How many know we got the power to break that curse? You ain't got to be poor no more. You don't have to live from check to check. Amen. All you got to do is trust the Lord. Amen. And say, God, I'm going to be faithful to you. God, I'm going to keep these walls up. How did Nehemiah rebuild the walls? Number one, you have to see your value in being real. Because, you know, if we're not real with ourselves, how are we going to be real with God? We got all this rubble we're carrying around, and, and some have been in church for years, and nobody knows about your rubble. Maybe one year, two years, maybe longer, but yet you can play it off. You got to be real with God. In verses 4 and 7, he's there. In verse 5, he says, Then I said, Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to the prayer of your servant is praying. But then he says, I confess the sins we Israelites including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. And then look what he says. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, the decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. He was being real. He wasn't even in the city. He had it good. He was in the house. He was in the palace. But he identified with them. Hey, this is God. We messed up. When's the last time you told God your real condition? We all look good here. You finally learn to put your makeup on right. Men, no, I'm just joking, amen. <laughs> How many know before you can rebuild the rubble in your life, you have to be real with the condition you are in? If you are not real with yourself, how are you going to be real with God? You will never rebuild the walls in your life until you become greatly concerned about your rubbish, about your rubbish. Nehemiah was concerned. What do you mean? And then he became real. You don't have to walk in your rubble no more. 
You don't have to walk around in condemnation because you say, man, look at I messed up again. But man, let me go. Let me just walk around the rubble. I get good in stepping over rubble and I can play it up. No, you don't have to live like that no more. God's given us the power and the authority to have victory. Amen. And rebuild those walls that were knocked down in our lives. But a lot of times we hold on to this stuff. What's interesting is even... This is free 99 stuff. Even when you look at the life of Abraham, the Bible says by faith. He's known for faith. It never says he had no faith. It says he had faith. But the first thing he does, God sent him to a famine. And what did he do? He lied. That's, that's my sister. Then the, the king woke up and God gave him a dream. Don't touch her. That's his wife. You read a few chapters down. He did the same thing again. You read again, when Abraham was 75, the Lord said, you're going to have a baby. And 75, he didn't have it till he was 100. But what did he do? His wife, he slept with Hagar. And then they had a kid. God said, that's not your promise. You need to have faith in me. But never once did it say he didn't have faith. We all have faith. But now what we have to do when we walk with the Lord is we have to let our character develop because our character will align up with our faith. But what happens is we say, I ain't got faith because I made a mistake. And God says, no, in my love, in my mercy, in my grace, amen, I'm shaping and molding your character to be made in my image. But a lot of times we don't do that where the walls are knocked down and we say, God, you can't use me. How many are still with me? Number two, you have to see the value in your broken bricks or the value in your rubble. Verse, verse three says, they told me the exiled survivors who are left there in province are in bad shape. Conditions are appalling. The wall of Jerusalem is still in rubble. But then if you jump down to verse 10 of the same chapter, it says, meanwhile, the people in Judah said the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the walls. My question today, how many of us have said that? God, you don't know what I'm struggling with. You don't know the rubble that I have. You don't know what I deal with. Just like them here, they're on their walls and, and they're saying that they're coming and, and they didn't see the value in the broken bricks. What, what is the one thing that you have been stepping over and avoiding? Maybe it's laziness. You have good intentions. When you go to bed, I'm going to wake up early and pray. Then you hit the snooze button about 20 times, man. Then you say, man, I'm late to work. Maybe it's laziness. Pride. Maybe it's coming under authority. But what is your rubble? The thing is, we got to be honest with ourselves. This is where I'm at. If not, you're never going to allow the Holy Spirit to repair the, those walls. And the same thing with all this rubble. Sometimes with the rubble, we build walls without realizing it. And those walls keep us from doing the will of God. Those walls keep us trapped. We're, we're always walking in condemnation. We're always saying, I'm never going to amount to anything. We're always saying, I'm always going to struggle. My marriage ain't going to get better. I've just learned to survive in it. Because those walls you put up, you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to move because you ain't being real, amen, or you don't value 
the broken bricks in your life. The, the unique thing about Nehemiah's story is that it can be likened to our lives. What I mean by that is God uses what's already there. See, when they rebuilt the walls, if you look at the story of Nehemiah, he just asked for lumber. He used the broken bricks. Because remember, they were, they were bricklayers. They knew how to repair bricks. So you have to see the value of the rubble in your life. You went through it for a reason. You're going through it for a reason. And God is saying, when you learn to trust me, when you learn I'm going to use what's already there, I'm going to use what's already inside of you. But you got to allow me to come and heal, bring healing there. Too many times we think it's going to come from an outside source. Oh, bring new bricks. And God said, I don't care about new bricks. The broken pieces, the broken bricks, the stuff you went through is I know how I created you. I know what you're going to become. And all that is part of the process, whether it was good or whether it was bad. Just allow me to continue to move in your life and you're going to see how valuable it was. But how many know when you're in the pain, the broken rubble, it looks like you can't get out of it. How many know that's being real? You're there, and then when you tell somebody, they said, oh, just pray about it, and you walk away. Oh, you don't know nothing. You don't know what I feel. They do. They just went to another level, and they experienced that pain. But God uses that. When I lost my grandson, it was like, man, I was mad at God for a while. Why him? Take me. It was a pain, but now I look at that. Now God has given us an understanding for losing uh, someone like that, grandson. And now there's an anointing that comes on it when we share with people that come from there also. Why? Because the broken bricks, we allow God to repair them. We don't need something new to rebuild what's left in our lives. uh, If we are willing to give it to him just as it is. Let me ask that question to, you, to us tonight. Are we willing to give it to the Lord just as it is? God, this is my rubbish. This is my rubble. Because we all put on our best when we come to church. Everybody looks good. You come out, you, you know, you, some of you stay like hours getting yourself ready. And you still look, no, I'm just joking around. <laughs> but what happens is too many Christians live in denial. I ain't got no problems. I'm working it out. Are you really working it out? See, because only when healing has come can you see the value uh, where he's placed you at. Or else you're going to get up from here, go to somewhere else, and not deal with your rubble. And then what happens is you're going to be running from the call of God. I wonder how many are here are running from your purpose because you think God can't use you because you have too much broken pieces in your life. God, you don't understand what they did to me. No, you know, God knows. And, and God's saying, it wasn't your fault or it wasn't, that was a mistake or that was, but learn from that. And let me bring healing there. You ain't got to walk around in condemnation. You don't want got to walk around thinking that you're no good. You are a son. You are a daughter of the most high. And when you understand, you're going to say, man, all this little broken rubble, God, I let you repair it. 
Too many times all we do is talk about how hard it is and what we came out of. Instead of doing something about it, we keep walking over our rubble. Look at your neighbor and tell him, do something about it. And then when you keep walking over your rubble, you feel trapped in your own walls. So when you feel trapped, you live in regret. Oh, man, I should have did that when they asked me to volunteer. I should have said yes, but I didn't. So now you're frustrated. Because now why, nobody wants to use me in the church. Well, because when they asked you to do things, you said no. Oh, no, no, I'm not ready. I, I work too many hours. Everybody works a lot of hours. Got quiet in here, huh? Number three, let's move on. Some of you started mad dog me. Number three, you have to see your value in the small beginnings. Because all of us have been called by God to do something special. But there's a price that has to be paid. How many could say amen? There's a price. God didn't die on Calvary to give us a clearance rack. Because some people, when they go shopping, the first place they go to is clearance. Hello, somebody. <laughs> you have to see the value in your small beginnings. Being faithful in the little See, to everybody else, the brick was a sign that the enemy had destroyed the wall. But to God, it was an opportunity to show his power. All he needed was a willing vessel. And how many know that God is still looking for willing vessels? You have to see the value in yourself. You have to see the value in people. If you're taking notes, write this down. Your obedience will determine your value. Your obedience. Oh, God, I want to serve you and I want to follow you. But oh, no, right now I'm going to serve my flesh because it's stronger. Number four. You have to see your value in answering the call of God. That's in verse four. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. I mourned for, for days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. If you don't see the value in small beginnings, you'll never do something about it. But what about the call of God? Everybody's called by God. Are you willing to do what God's called you to do? How I many know we can't pick what we want to do? God says, I've created you for this. You can't change it because I didn't make a mistake. And that's where the frustration, that's why we don't want to let the Holy Spirit pull back up walls. Oh, God, I don't want to change. Let me just stay angry here, God. I've been hurt before, so I'm not going to volunteer, God. Oh, God, I'm depressed, God. Oh, God, I worry, God. Oh, God, what about this? If, if you call me to pastor, God, how, where's the money going to come from? We worry. When I got sent out of Pioneer, I got a handshake. I didn't get money. They said, if you're called by God, God will provide. And he did. Now too many people, they want to look in on the outside and they want to start looking and they want to start saying, hey, if the money's right, then I'll do that. No, it's not about money. God is looking for men and women and couples and single people to say, God, whatever you want me to do, God, I'm going to obey the call of God. We are in the end times and God is putting an anointing upon our church and in living word ministries. But who is going to rise up? 
and say, God, use me. You see, when you spend time in the presence of God, broken things become valuable. It's not, oh, look at how they hurt me. Look at how God healed me. Oh, it's not over here. No, God, look at how God provide. So when you spend time in the presence of God, broken things become valuable. When you spend time in the presence of God, you will begin to see the need. When you spend time in the presence of God, you will begin to meet the need. See, God showed Nehemiah the need. He asked, hey, how are they doing? So if God, the Lord is showing you needs, oh, look at our church. We need to do this for the kids. Or look at the church. Oh, look at this. How come those windows were? If God is showing you that, maybe he wants you to take care of it. That's why some of you don't want to ask nothing. If I tell them, they're going to tell me clean it. What's wrong with it? It's called taking ownership. I'm going to say amen. We got to, if this is your church, take ownership. You see, what has been laid in rubbish for decades can re be rebuilt in days. 140 years. But one man, not a leader, not a pastor, just a servant that loved the Lord, stepped up. And with God and the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, God used them to put the walls up in 52 days. It didn't take 120 years. Some of you may be sitting here and you're hurting and you got scarred up and you're afraid and you got all these issues on you. And you're saying, God, it's man, I, I, I was abused for this long. It's going to take longer. God says, no, it isn't. Just surrender to me and understand the power that I'm able to do in your life and then do through your life. You see, God can only use what you're willing to give to him. That's why some of people walk in circles all the time. Because we only want to give God on Thursdays and Sundays. But the rest, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, we don't want to give it to God. And then when we come here, we God, how come, how come I don't know how to experience? How many know our church is in revival? All right, a handful of us. Our church is in revival, amen. And revival's here. But the problem is we want to walk in our rubbish and our rubble instead of picking it up and say, I'm no longer depressed, amen. I'm no longer worried. I'm no longer confused, amen. I know who I am in Christ. And he has given me a sound mind and a peace that surpasses all understanding. Stop trying to convince God that you are not qualified. God, you don't know what I have in my life. Yes, he does. Oh, God, you don't know how they hurt me. Yes, he does. He knows who you are, and he knows what you are capable of doing. And with him, you can do all things. How many can say amen? Tell your neighbor, you can do all things. And my last point... You have to see the reward for staying the course. How many know there's a reward from not giving up? You know how the anointing comes through the crushing? You know what the crushing is when we feel like giving up? When we're hanging on with the thread, we still hold on. And then all of a sudden God comes and says, okay, I'm going to anoint you a little more. It's not anything different we do. It's that we don't quit. Yeah, we feel like quitting, but we don't quit. 
We keep going on. We don't feel like getting up in the morning and praying, but we understand we have to do that because the Spirit is what controls the flesh. If you don't pray, if you don't read, your flesh is going to tell you what to do instead of you telling your flesh what to do. See, you're not only fighting for yourselves. In verse 10, he goes on, or verse verse. 13 and 14, he says, Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. Verse 14, After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. But look at what he says. And fight for your families. Fight for your sons. And fight for your daughters, fight for your wives. And says, wives, you don't get no ideas. That's Old Testament. He says, and your homies. And it says home. It don't say homies. Amen. <laughs> but see, they were getting unfocused. Man, it's getting hard. I, I feel like giving up. And you tell them, remember the Lord. So they kind of, okay, God is faithful. God is faithful. But then after that, they said, but fight for your families. You're not in this for yourself. People are watching you. Your kids are watching you. Your relatives are watching you. People in the church are watching you. When's the last time you said, man, I'm doing this for my kids, for my grandkids, my great-grandkids? When's the last time you stood the course for your church? I'm fighting for my church. We're in revival, and I'm not going to let the enemy come in and try to take me out. Amen. I'm not going to fall for this little thing over here my flesh wants to do. I'm going to stay fighting and says, I can't do that. We got a pastor that keeps fighting no matter what comes his way. And you hear him say, you know why I keep going forward? Because you, you got to fight for your pastor. He's counting on us as everyone stands. He's counting on us. He sees the potential in our lives. God showed them this person's going to do that. But sometimes we don't want to fight no more. God, I got too much rubble, God. And God is saying, son, daughter, I know what you have. I know how they hurt you. I know how they burnt you. I know you don't believe in yourself, but I believe in you. The question here tonight, are you going to be honest? Are you going to be real with where you're at? If not, you're going to go around the same circle again, man. You're going to be struggling. Five years, you're going to pass away, pass by, and you're going to say, man, how come I'm still here? God is getting ready to shift our ministry to things that we cannot even imagine. The question is, Are you going to fight for what God has called you to do for your church, for your pastor, for your family? I wonder how many young people here you're fighting the call of God. Oh, I still got all kind of time. No, you don't. I got saved. I was 19 years old. My wife, you know, she was 18, a year younger. I'm 60 years old now. I'm an old man. As New Testament will say, you know. (laughs) But the thing is, I kept fighting. Did I feel like giving up? Yes. Did I throw in the towel? Yes, at one point. But the Holy Spirit picked it up and says, you're just dealing with character right now. You got faith, 
But now I got to develop the character inside of you. Because when that character is developed, then you're going to shine the way I want you to shine. But some of us, we got sloppy character. You look good here. But what about when you leave here? What about the rest of the week? How is your character? Maybe you're here and you don't know the Lord. And as we were talking about rubble, you're like, that's me. Maybe watching online, you're talking about rubble, you're like, that's me. I want to give you the opportunity to pray with me. Lead you to the Lord. That way God can come in and say, son, daughter.